hire a firm or a company that will come in and evaluate you before you get into tax season, will test you, will test your staff. They'll send phishing emails to your staff to see who bites. I think that's the biggest thing you can do right now. I think it's worth the investment to have it done and that peace of mind to shore up any holes that you might have. Well, cheers, gang. And welcome back to another episode of Future Proof. Uh, episode number 85, to be exact. And um, yeah, settle in, folks, and relax. Grab a pillow, uh, kick back, because this might just be your last chance to chill until April. You know, tax season, right? Uh, yeah, it's here. And yeah, you're going to be busy. I, I get it. That's why they call it busy season, after all. So uh, before you get too busy... A couple of things. First, uh, this week's show is brought to you by the Business Learning Institute, which delivers competency-based curriculum, courses, content, and community to maximize career trajectories and grow intellectual capital for organizational and executive leadership. Hundreds of courses by dozens of instructors, uh, just dozens of them, and uh, unlimited customization. So find out how the Business Learning Institute can help you uh, by visiting blionline.org. Uh, and next, and, and way more important, actually, uh, I think I've got some information for you that might, just might, be a little bit helpful as you get ready to drop off the radar for the next four months. Uh, and actually, it's not my information. It belongs to my guest. She is Carrie Weston. Carrie is Director of Tax Practice and Ethics for the American Institute of CPAs. She and I sat down uh, at the 2019 Digital CPA Conference in Seattle uh, in December to talk about you know, some of the issues that are going to be impacting tax pros this year. This year, for a change, those issues go well beyond the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. You remember the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, right? Uh, the weeks leading up to the past two tax seasons have, have been, you know, barely organized chaos thanks to, to federal tax reforms. Uh, how would the TCJA impact taxpayers? Would practitioners have the information they need to soundly advise their clients? Would the IRS uh, be up to speed in implementing the TCJA's provisions or, or would delays to the start of tax season set everybody back? And, uh, you know, in retrospect, tax professionals and, and their clients survived, more or less. But uh, as the start of another tax season looms on the horizon, many in the profession are asking, what, just what does this year have in store for us? And uh, most of them, I think, are hoping for good things ahead. According to Accounting Today's 2020 Year Ahead survey, 59% of CPAs say the upcoming tax season should be better than last year. Uh, only 5% said it would be worse. Here's another way of looking at it, a, a courtesy of the folks at the Journal of Accountancy. And I'm quoting directly here from a J of A article titled 2020 Tax Season Filing Preview. Uh, it reads, quote, while many are unclear points have been resolved by guidance in the past year, many more remain and applying the new guidance may in some cases raise previously unanticipated questions. The, uh, the previous tax season involved getting acquainted with the TCJA. This year will no doubt entail applying that knowledge uh, with perhaps greater efficiency and more insight 
into all of its repercussions. A big unknown, however, is how well the IRS and tax software providers will provide the administrative and practical support and software design needed to make this tax season as trouble-free as possible. Not only did the 2019 filing season thrust preparers into some unfamiliar territory, but it gave them less time to traverse it with the IRS out of commission until the start of the season because of the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. Yeah, remember that? Uh, While the prospects, the article continues, for another shutdown in late 2019 and early 2020 uh, were unclear as of this writing, and uh, uh, there was no shutdown in late 2019, we're still in the early stages of 2020, but it is not out of the realm of possibility still at this late date. Regardless, a longer-term trend toward a later beginning of tax season for other reasons has compressed the work time available up till April 18th, while returns in general have become more complex. In 2019, however, there were relatively few new tax law changes while the IRS brought out guidance in a number of areas. Thus, practitioners are, in many cases, reviewing those points for some of the more common issues they're likely to encounter, end quote. So that's, that's again, from the Journal of Accountancy. So, I, you know, I guess the short version is this. We think, we th- we think things are going to be a little bit smoother this year. We don't know for a fact, but we think. And in the meantime, there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that we need to be paying attention to. The, the Section 199A deduction, for instance, and cybersecurity, and the new W-4. And yes, updated guidance about the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And, uh, and here to help, help us make sense of all of that is my guest this week. Again, Carrie Weston from the AICPA. We talked to her last year before tax season. She's back again this year to kind of give us an update on what we need to be paying attention to. And if you work in tax, you're going to want to pay attention. Uh, so here are a few words of wisdom uh, from Carrie Weston. So, Carrie, welcome back. These conversations are starting to become a little bit of a pre-tax season tradition. They which are. Is, which is nice. I, I guess my first question, just kind of very generally, what, what's top of mind for you and, and your team at the AICPA right now when it, when it comes to looking ahead to tax season? Well, I think for us, it's really about making sure that our tax practitioner members in the profession, that they are ready for the Tax Cuts and Jobs Acts, the clarification that's been issued. There are a lot of issues this year around cybersecurity, due diligence, risk awareness, um, including one thing that surprised tax practitioners when they went to renew their P-TINs this year was an, a request to attest to the fact that they have a data security plan oh, wow. to ensure that they're pre- protecting their clients' data. So, you know, so for us, you know, there, while there wasn't any massive tax reform change this year, there was clarification. There was guidance given in mm-hmm. the way of tax reform, and there were some that may have actually led to some early decisions or actions that were taken based on the lack of information last year to mean that they need to revisit work they've done before they can prepare this year's return for clients. Okay. So, well, let's start with that then. Um, I mean, the last couple of years, obviously, that 
the the tax uh, tax cuts and jobs act has been at the top of everybody's mind right. um going to, into into tax season nothing really new but some clarifications you were talking about so explain exactly what got clarified what sure. uh, what do our what do our members need to know about well, I think the biggest issue that was causing concern last year was the Section 199 Cap A deduction, which is the additional deduction for pass-through entities. So there's been clarification on that. There were some additional regs issued at the end of last year, um, but we were anticipating those. They came out. We felt that they weren't as clear as they should have been. So the Section 199A, there's been a lot of clarification on that as far as pass-through entities. The other thing that a little bit still up in the air right now is the state and local tax deduction for individual taxpayers. So we know that the IRS came in and said, you can only deduct a maximum of $10,000 for the combination of sales and use, real estate tax, state income tax that you were deducting on your Schedule A. Well, we also know that some of our states that have of really high tax rates. And I'm thinking, I always quote, California, New York, Connecticut, Mm -hmm. Jersey, they've got really high state tax rates and and real estate property tax rates. So those taxpayers and the residents of those states are some of those being hit the hardest by that adjustment. And as a result, the knee-jerk reaction or initial reaction of those states was to look for a workaround. Mm -hmm. And what they went to was this pseudo-charitable contribution, you know, so Bill, you're my tax collector. And rather than pay my $20,000 of real estate tax on my house to you, I'm actually going to make a contribution to a general fund for the state. I'm going to get a deduction for that contribution. And in exchange, you're going to forgive my real estate taxes, right? Um, You're going to apply it to that. So obviously there, as a tax practitioner, there are some real concerns about just the visibility of that, right? It, it, it's, you know, it looks and sounds and smells like a, a tax deduction or some self-dealing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they've said was, well, we've done this for years in other areas. I mean, chartered schools, local wildlife funds and things of that nature, you can make a donation and get a reduction of tax. So as a result, those things, the IRS came out last year and said, no, that isn't going to fly. And we have several states now that have band together and are suing the IRS for that. So that's one of those issues right now that we really struggle to advise our members and the tax profession because we have to say you have to follow the law as it's written, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have standards, your state has standards. Uh, You have to follow the laws written, but you also have an obligation under AICPA standards not to let your clients pay a dollar more in tax than they're legally entitled to. Right. So if there's a true case or a real argument for, say, making one of these contributions or, or the workaround, we're finding a lot of our members are really conflicted about how to advise their clients going forward. Hmm. And, and what kind of uh, I mean, what kind of advice would you would you give them in that kind of situation where it's like, you know, it's the law versus what you want to do, um, you know, that that's, right. that's helpful and right for your clients. Right. What, what kind where are you kind of leading them at this point? So as an organization, we're really saying you have to follow the law and the letter of the law says these workarounds don't work. Mm-hmm. But what I'll say as not an AICPA rep, but as Carrie Weston, who has been a tax practitioner for years, is that part of what I love about tax practice, and Mm -hmm. I did a lot of controversy and planning work, is I feel like you can live in the gray. And, And my opinion always was, 
this isn't my decision to make. It's my job to advise my clients. This is their tax return and their decision. Mm -hmm. And so what I would say is, okay, well, here's an area. If it's clearly black or white, I'm going to tell you it's clearly black or white. If there's some room for interpretation, then we're going to tell you where the, you know, where the gray is and what your risks are with going one way versus taking a straight, a straight, more conservative approach. Um, and then ultimately allow the taxpayer to make that decision because it is their return. So my feeling is that if I truly believe, and I've done the research and I can document it and I follow a consistent pattern with all of my clients mm -hmm. about how to approach any area that's gray in the tax law and I follow that, then I've done my due diligence. I've done my job. If, in fact, it comes at back that it's completely not legal, that you can't do this, but then it's on my, the onus is back on me when those cases are settled to go back to my clients and say, look, we had a good case. We built up a good file. We had a good argument for this, but the case has been settled. It's clearly been determined that you cannot do this. I recommend you amend the return. Mm -hmm. Again, it comes down to it's the client's decision. Right. So that's, you know, I know that may sound a little controversial, um, <laughs> but I do think, again, it's the client's return. I'll say on the flip side, Bill, what happens often and did happen to me as well was clients would come in knowing how they want you to handle something of this nature, what position they want you to take. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe they cannot take that position. Right. Um, and again, it is their return. But as a preparer, my obligation is to make sure that return is, is accurate, is correct and accurate. And I can't sign it as a CPA if I believe it to be inaccurate. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. So um, any other kind of trapdoors related to that Jobs Act or, or are the waters starting to finally calm down a little bit and people are understanding exactly what's going on and what they need to do? I think they are. I think there are some issues with the business interest limitations. There are some concerns about that. We did see some issues. This isn't as prevalent because it's largely the bigger corporations and publicly traded corporations last year with companies who computed this repatriation tax. They paid it all up front and then they figured out they could have paid it out over eight years. Or alternatively, they did pay it out up front, but they believe they miscalculated it. Um, we've had some concerns. We've been working with the IRS on trying to help them get that money back. Uh, the IRS has contended, because if you look at the code, literally, that they aren't entitled to a refund because it was a payment of a tax. It wasn't like an estimated payment. It wasn't a prepayment of an estimated tax. Okay. It was payment of a calculated tax. There's been some issue with that, although that has settled down quite a bit. I think many have learned from those early, those people who went on early on that are still fighting the battle. The other one I think is around some of this self-employment income. So there was a big case in California not too long ago about the treatment of sort of these gig economy people as employees right. versus whether they're employees versus they're independent contractors. And if you've been in the accounting and tax industry, my entire career, that's been a big issue, yeah. right? Yeah. So right now there are some concerns about how maybe client, we're, we're not certain how clients are going to come in to their CPAs as far as how they've handled that situation from a tax standpoint, whether they've assumed they were an, an employee or an independent contractor. Okay. 
All right. So uh, when when we started off the conversation, you also listed a, a, a litany of other kind of areas that you were watching that you think um, uh, members might need to know about going into them. I think cybersecurity was near the top of the list. What, yes. What's going on? What's going on with with cyber at this point? Well, I think what we're finding is it's no surprise that the um, the attacks are on the rise. Mm-hmm. What we found in working with IRS's criminal investigations is about two years ago there was a shift from going after individual taxpayer accounts for tax identity theft to looking at firms. They figured out, I can hack one person and get one person's information. I can hack one firm and I can get hundreds of of people's information, right? So I think that's where this new attestation on the P-10 Mm-hmm. application came in and it really shook a lot of our members because they said, well, of course, we know cybersecurity is of an utmost concern. We have, hopefully they have a separate policy. Uh, if you don't already know this, most of your liability carriers don't include a cyber breach in your coverage. So there needs to be a separate policy or a writer on okay. your additional policy for that. Um, so they knew about that. Um, but what they didn't look at were some of the details that are involved in protecting their clients' data. Mm -hmm. So we know that there are big hits coming from Russia, coming from China. Um, Those are the biggest culprits right now. They're hitting CPA firms. Um, They're hitting third-party vendors. So one of the things that we're finding is that practitioners may really shore up internally what they're working on, but they might not think about a consultant, a third-party vendor that they're using, um, and that they're also responsible for ensuring that they're in compliance. Right, right. And using the highest standards to safeguard their client data. So the risk goes beyond just the CPA's doors. It it, it can fall with whoever that CPA it happens to be working with at the same time. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly right. And we saw some breaches last year and I won't name companies, but some really big companies were breached during tax season last year. What kind of advice um, would you suggest to, to our members Mm -hmm. in this area? Like what, what would be the one like solid piece of advice that you could offer them uh, around cyber at this point? What should they be doing? Honestly, if I had a p- my one piece of advice is hire somebody to to infiltrate or test your cyber. Mm-hmm. I think that we know with the internet, with what's available out there, there's information overload. There's contradicting information. I think the key is hire a firm or a company that will come in and evaluate you before you get into tax season. We'll test you. We'll test your staff. They'll send phishing emails to your staff to see who bites, uh, not to terminate them, but to educate them, right? You bit on this. Bite now. Don't yeah. bite when you know when the real hackers come calling. Yeah. Is, is ask them to infiltrate your system. I think that's the biggest thing you can do right now. I think it's worth the investment to have it done. And that piece of mind to shore up any holes that you might have. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, just briefly, what other kind of red flags or issues are you watching and making tax practitioners be aware of going into tax season? What other, what other kind of areas are, are, are worth paying attention to at this point? Well, let's see. Um, we do know that there's going to be there. There's likely to be some legislative, uh, you know, some updates at the end of the year. Some things that get revised or extended. I'd say, as always, just constantly stay on top of the tax changes that are happening at the end of the year. I guess really, it's a, it's a tough call, Bill, because there's so many things that are going on. The one of the things that's probably big is 
the new W-4. So there's a new W-4 form that's come out that's going to impact individual and business clients. Mm -hmm. It's like nothing we've ever seen before if you haven't looked at it. The days of saying, I'm a single zero or I'm married to and people knowing what that meant, those are gone, Mm -hmm. right? There are no dependent exemptions anymore. This new worksheet actually has you compute your taxable income and it has you compute or estimate your deductions. And it doesn't give you a number to withhold. Wow. So I think from the taxpayer side, they're going to be confused possibly about this new form. And I think from the CPA side, we should be proactive in getting in there and going, you're going to have a new form. Mm-hmm. Let's look at that form together. And let me help educate you about how to fill this out. I like the new form personally. Yeah. I What I like about it is the fact that how many times did I have clients that would come into me that had two jobs? And let's say they made 20000 in, in one job and they made 40000 in another job. Well, they made 60000 but that 20000 job probably withheld little to no tax. And the 40000 only withheld enough, assuming they made $40,000. Well, when they go to $60,000, they're significantly underwithheld. This new W-4 actually takes into consideration, do you have multiple jobs? Interesting. Right. Wow. Um, and, and so I think for me, also, are you self-employed mm-hmm. and helps them factor that in. So I think that's good. But I think the traps for this are going to be, you have clients that are businesses. How are they going to handle helping their employees mm-hmm. complete this new form? And how are they going to process this new form from a technology standpoint? Yeah. If their software doesn't update right away for those changes. Okay. That's going to be interesting to watch. The other big thing we're watching is crypto. Right. So cryptocurrency is huge. Um, people are people are in varying levels of um, involvement in it. The IRS. Yeah, they just came out with some guidance. Just came out, right, with mm-hmm. some guidance on it. The AICPA has some positions. We agree and disagree with some of it, but it's one of the hot topics we're staying on top of. Um, the key is really, if you're a tax person, you should be thinking basis because they're not treating it as currency. They're treating it as asset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is, this is, uh, I was just in a, a session recently where somebody said anywhere between 10 and 15% of the American population owns some kind of crypto asset at this point. So this isn't some fringe thing anymore. That's it's, right. It's, 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 this is a big deal. It is a big deal. And, and things might be going, not going away. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing I think that people aren't thinking about is the fact that people are doing business with this. So if you just thought, oh, my individual client might be dabbling mm-hmm. in this. What about your business clients that are accepting it as payment? You know, what are they doing with what's sitting on their books, right? Yep. Yep. If it's not cash, what is it? Right. That's not that's sitting there if it's not a currency. Yeah. Uh, so I think there there are a lot of traps, there are a lot of tricks, a good opportunity to get in there and, and see what's going on. Definitely read the updated um the updated rules on that and the interpretation. Um, there are also some software tools. In fact, I, I heard a little birdie told me that there's some something going on here at Digital CPA um, about a new tax tool that actually helps practitioners with tracking and reporting on crypto for crypto. their clients. Interesting. I'm sure we're going to be seeing more and more of that mm-hmm. um, as this becomes more popular and time goes on and certainly more and more nuances in, in how regulators are tracking this type of stuff too. So That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. What are you hearing from, from tax practitioners themselves uh, as, as you go into to tax season? Are they, are they expecting... This year to be, I don't know, easier, harder, more complex than, than years past? What, what kind of things are you hearing from your members? So I have to tell you, Bill, this is probably one of the quietest uh, hmm. last quarters that I've been in um, 
since I've joined the AICPA. I think that it's either, you know, there's that calm that's either a sense of we're settled and we got this or this calm of I have no idea what's coming, so I don't know what to panic about. (laughs) Right, right. right. Uh, I, I do think that in general, there's a sense that things in the tax legislation, the tax reform area have settled down. People have a better understanding. There isn't that panic that there was last year. Mm-hmm. However, at the same time, uh, I think that there were a lot of clients who were prepared to know very little, or a lot of tax practitioners that were prepared to know just enough to get through last tax season. Uh, and now, now this year, know so much that sometimes overknowledge can actually complicate things. Right, right, right. So that yeah, that's that's a very interesting uh, take on that whole thing. How, what about uh, on the IRS front? Um, you know, there have been uh, talks of of delays over the last couple of years as they 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 struggled to kind of implement the provisions of the new tax reform uh, laws. What what are you hearing from from the federal side of things this this year? How how well prepared are they for for okay. things to get rolling? Well, I think on the plus side, the fact that we have um, Commissioner Reddick in there and he's a tax practitioner, a friend of the practice, he's really put an emphasis on an IRS service, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to practitioners. Mm-hmm. And it's something that the AICPA has been really advocating for for years, which is that, you know, if you help the practitioners, you help the taxpayers Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. you know, we are getting in there. We can go to a higher level very quickly and resolve some matters because we're speaking a common language with your agents. Um, So there is an emphasis on IRS service level increase. There is an emphasis on additional services for the practitioner level and some funding there. Um, And I think that, the way the way we're hearing it now, I'm I'm not heard of any delays. So yep. with that specific question, it's generally the third week in January. I'm not hearing of any delays. There are no massive tax law changes that happen that are causing any reprogramming, uh, but that could always happen. So I'd say it sounds like we're on track right now. Mm-hmm. I want to be optimistic and say with what they've been putting in place, a new division they've got that I'm hoping this is actually going to be a smoother tax season for our practitioners. Well, wouldn't that be a refreshing change? That would be wonderful. <laughs> um, and, and of course, um, you know, the the dead elephant in the room are, are uh, the elections, uh, which are going to dominate the news cycle for the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, are, I, are you expecting tax issues to play any kind of role in, in the 2020 elections? Uh, is, is this going to be an issue that bears watching? So I'll put my political hat on, but don't, you know, you can quote me because I'm speaking to people, but don't quote me as an expert on this. What I'll say is in this role I've been in with the AICPA and being in D.C. and so close to politics, taxes always come up Mm -hmm. as part of an election cycle. Always. It's a big thing because people listen. It affects every tax, U.S. taxpayer. It's personal to them. Yep. But the other thing I will tell you is that I've learned that any major tax changes and overhauls generally don't happen preceding elections. Right, right. Right. So nothing big tends to happen, Don't although it is boat. talked about yeah. a lot, right? <laughs> but nothing big tends to happen. And so my prediction is it's going to be talked about I don't think there's going to be any massive change. Yeah. Obviously, we know that there's a party that's really happy with the tax reform and what's happened, and that there's a, another party who's very unhappy uh, with a lot of the a lot of the provisions, uh, specifically around Schedule A. That state and local tax deduction is a hot 
hot item, the repatriation tax, and of course, the disparate tax levels uh, for corporate tax. Mm-hmm. So right now, if you're watching any of the any of the hearings that are going on, the financial hearings, a big thing is that flat tax rate for corporate for C corporations is is a disadvantage uh, to, to the other taxpayers. I think if I predicted that's going to be a big topic, a conversation, the state and local deductions and tax reform, um, I think we'll be up there. But my gut tells me there's not going to be anything done about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me either. Um, it, one thing we haven't talked about yet that, that was that was uh, kind of a hot topic a year ago is is Wayfair. Mm-hmm. What's happened in the year since, uh, like over the past 12 months? I know when we talked last, um, it, things were just starting to ramp up on a state-by-state level about mm-hmm. how they were going to comply with, with this and what it was going to look like. What have you seen since then? So, uh, so there, you know, honestly, I thought that there would be a lot more states that would be rushing in to mm-hmm. say, this is our, we're claiming our piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. And and I haven't seen that at the rate that I thought we would see. I think with, you know, the the, the drop shipping with the, the move from, you know, the Black Friday is nothing anymore these days because people are buying online and they're drop shipping to home. The one thing I'm seeing is more of an increase in sort of a use tax from the states. Mm-hmm. Some of them looking at this going, okay, well, this got dropped in here, but you didn't have a taxability. I think the concern with sort of that passive approach is that a taxpayer, a general taxpayer doesn't even know what that means. Right, right. They, they want to be charged the tax when they purchase the item, if they are not charged the tax when they purchase their item, it's out it's out of their mind, mm-hmm, right? So mm-hmm. they're not going to go back after the fact and report it to their state. There was a there was a push many years ago, and I think it may have started with California, maybe like Orange County filing bankruptcy when the states were so aggressively auditing businesses for state and local tax. Yep. They there was so much need for revenue. Um, I anticipated that the Wayfair decision was going to mirror sort of the rush of the states ramping up on revenue agents, auditing businesses, revising rules to come in and say, we now, you know, you don't have a physical presence. You didn't have Nexus, but you do under Wayfair. We're going to start taxing you. Um, And I haven't seen it yet. So maybe they're in the building stage. Right, right. It's going to be interesting to watch. Where should CPAs go for more information just to kind of keep up on the status of things sure. as, as tax season approaches. So I think a really good place, obviously, the AICPA.org. Um, if you come to the AICPA and you go to the tax interest area, there's going to be a tax reform resource center. So mm-hmm. if you haven't already bookmarked that, that's a really good place to stay on top. Anytime there's anything new as far as guidance, we put it on there. Mm-hmm. So if there's any new guidance, any clarification, anything pending, it's going to be there. Um, in addition, our advocacy team in DC that does a lot of work to try and get clarification and guidance on what's going on there, we've got their their comment letters. Yep. So yep. if you're thinking, I don't understand this provision, what's somebody doing about it? Maybe the AICPA is. Hopefully they are. You can read what they think and what they're recommending. Uh, there's also a lot of free materials. The other thing I'd say is that we do have a tax season resource page. If you go to the tax interest area, the main landing page, and we try to keep up to date there with day-to-day things that are happening. So if there will be a delay mm-hmm. in the opening of tax season, that's where you're going to find it. Got it. Um, information on new forms, that's where you're going to find it. So I'd say it's a combination of the two mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for staying on top of that information. Yeah. Well, that's great. 
Wow, a lot going on. I, I guess I guess that's why they call it busy season. That's right. right. So, Carrie, thanks thanks for joining me and thanks for sharing all that. I, I'm sure our members appreciate it and I, and I do too. So thank you for being here. Good. Well, I always enjoy talking to you and I'm glad that you were able to track me down here yeah, at the conference and get to sit here with you in person. So thank you and thanks to all the listeners. Have a great tax season and um, we'll hopefully talk again soon. You bet. That was Carrie Weston, Director of Tax Practice and Ethics for the American Institute of CPAs. You can get more information at aicpa.org slash tax. Also, you can find all of the MACPAs related tax resources, including our discussion groups, upcoming tax events, uh, related blog posts, and more at macpa.org slash tax. And don't forget, this week's sponsor is the Business Learning Institute, the BLI's Future Ready Learning Framework, outlines the skills that CPAs need to thrive in the rapidly changing world of accounting and finance. That framework is all about gaining and maintaining deep technical knowledge along with a strategic skill set. And we're talking about strategic aptitudes that have been identified as most crucial for tomorrow's CPAs. Start mastering these future-ready skills now by visiting macpa.org slash future-learning. That's it, gang. Rest up and uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you again soon.